How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carlos scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. So I feel like I should start this podcast by reading a tweet that was posted by um, Curtis Zupke after the game against the Washington Capitals because I thought it was funny. Um, but it was a quote, really. He, he tweeted, Caps D-man Matt Niskanen on LAK, quote, they played like the game really, really meant something to them and we weren't at their level, end quote. <laughs> Which I think is funny because... I don't know, like it could seem like a slight if it was like, why do you care so much about this regular season game? But at the same time, that has what this past week has felt like because the Kings did so much losing that people were starting to count them out that it was like, no, all of these games matter. Win them all. Um, I really think it's funny because I know that a lot of times uh, hockey players will use terms like compete level. So they use like, you know, being at people's levels a lot, but it just seems like a weird uh like sarcastic dig oh we're not like on their level or we you know whatever it is um it just it just seems kind of funny um and yeah way to be la kings like nothing else mattered before and only now in like <laughs> right. the midst of february are you like oh hey this job that i'm doing these games actually count that was like that quote is basically the post-game version of they were at a 10 we were at a two they probably needed to bring it down or or maybe the capital should have brought it up. But I think it's just funny that he described it that way, particularly about the Kings, who people notoriously make jokes about not caring about the regular season at all. But they cared a lot the other night, apparently. Oh, that cycle uh, like Sedin's uh, tweet from like the other day, like if the Kings win the 2015 Stanley Cup, they should just raise a banner that says made a mockery of the regular season <laughs> yeah. is one of I my favorite that. tweets in the entire world. <laughs> and it would be so true, though, because this this past week has been very bizarre after you know, the Kings, I mean, we talked a little bit about um, the Tampa game because they had won that one when we recorded last week, but they have since won three more games after, again, people being ready to count them out. And like, even us while watching that Tampa game made a lot of jokes about how hashtag bad they are. <laughs> but now they are winning and everybody like, everybody's like, okay, <laughs> I guess they're back in it. So they're still out of a playoff spot, but still within striking distance. They are three points back of the Calgary Flames and four points back of the San Jose Sharks. Um, and the Canucks, I think, are also right in there as well. So, right? Yes, they are. They are third with 65. So same, same number of points as the Calgary Flames. The Kings have now won more games than the Toronto Maple Leafs, which there were a lot of jokes about that, especially with the Leafs being on a crazy losing like slide the last month or so. But yeah, Kings apparently remembered how to win. I don't great but also wow way to be this way as much as i love this streak that they've decided to go on i'm still so nervous about it like people are making jokes like oh so now they're kicking in their like you know mid-season playoff push way too late so they're gonna win like 16 in a row um i'm like yeah cool it's totally what they're gonna do but while kind of crying to myself being like but what if they lose (laughs) 
Because, like, every <laughs> point really it. counts. And I do not feel... They, they're playing very well, obviously. But I'm just not the most confident still about what's happening. Yeah, it's like joking, but also still feeling mildly hysterical. Yes, exactly. <laughs> as you joke about it. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty much being like, yeah, the Kings, the Kings are so good in like a hysterical high voice where I'm not actually confident <laughs> at all that it's going to go well. But, you know, we'll see. We can, maybe a few more games and I'll feel better about it. Right. The voice climbs higher and higher as you go on. Yes. <laughs> explaining to people casually. Yeah, like uh, sometimes my roommates who don't follow hockey at all will ask me how the Kings are doing. And that's that's essentially what I feel like, what you just described. <laughs> yep. I try to start out normal and then it just gets more and more intense as I go on. Yep. And then I'm like, well, so that's the state of things. Higher pitch until you realize what's happening and you sound like you've just like inhaled a ton of helium and also you're a mouse. And then you kind of have to just like stop yourself and like, yeah, so that's what's going on. Like deep breaths. Right. (laughs) It's fine, though. So their record right now is 25, 18 and 12 this week. or, Or I guess starting from last week, since they won four games, they have beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, the Washington Capitals, as we mentioned, the Calgary Flames, finally. And uh, who did I miss? Who did they play at the start of the week that was not Tampa Bay? Um, Tampa Bay Flames. Sorry, random team we clearly don't care about. Wait, the Blue Jackets. Aha, uh-huh, that's right. And we, we don't, don't care, care about them at all. So, <laughs> yeah, they beat the Blue Jackets. Although, how could we forget that? That's another opportunity, or it was another opportunity for Jeff Carter to score a goal while getting booed. And that's always fun. I Yeah, I love things like that. Like, I know that it was Scott Hartnell's uh, thousandth game. Glad he got a goal, but then glad the Kings won and Jeff Carter got a goal as well. Jeff Carter is actually now the points leader Currently, he is one point ahead of Andre Kopitar. He has 42 points because he had a pretty big week um, with the scoring, but he picked up plenty of assists this week, including having a four-point night against the Calgary Flames, I think. Or no, no, he had three-point night, maybe. Um, And then it was Toffoli who had a four-point night. So crazy. And then he got another point in the Capitals game. Jeff Carter all over the place, holding down that what they are calling the 70s line 2.0 part two. Good stuff for him. And then, like I said, Toffoli had that four-point night, and three of them were goals. He got his first NHL hat trick against the Flames, and he is now the goals leader for the Kings with 18 goals, um, and then he has 36 total points, so 18 assists. That was awesome. That game was, as Jim Fox says, sick. I was so happy about that game because... Um, once again, it was it was sort of a Kings coming from behind thing, um, you know, early in the second period, the Flames score those two very, very, very quick goals. And I'm like, well, shit, this is happening right. again. I have to sit through this again. We're all forced to watch the Kings play the Calgary Flames again and lose. Uh, but then Tyler Toffoli, you know, gets the other one at the end of the second period. And then it just becomes awesome in the third. Oh, man, that was a lot of fun. And that basically it was like a 70s player like 70s number like night because Jordan Nolan scored, yep. <laughs> Dwight King scored, and people were so happy for Tyler Toffoli. And of course, we were as well because we've talked a lot about how much we like him um, and have pretty much since we started recording this podcast. And it made me think of when he scored his first NHL goal and he got a standing ovation. Like people, like King's fandom at large has always been very excited about Tyler Toffoli because he had so much scoring potential. And it's awesome that he continues to live up to it so far. Like it's his first career hat trick and he is the youngest Kings player to 
get one of those this early in his career. Um, Kopitar beat him by, I don't have the exact number of games, but Kopitar is still the youngest. And then now Tyler Toffoli is right there, um, right after him. So that's pretty impressive. Way to do it. Yeah, it's it's nice to see like everyone get behind a homegrown player, mm-hmm. you know, and for him to do this well and for everyone to like be behind him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was at his goals. The the hat trick goal, like that third goal, was f- rad. Yeah, it was the like pretty for it goal. being like a like a semi breakaway kind of thing, and everyone just sort of like in anticipation, and then he scores, and it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, it, it, oh yeah, it was the perfect goal to complete that um, to complete a hat trick with. Looked real nice. It's interesting because people had been talking about how well he's been playing. Um, Shenpang from Jewels from the Crown wrote a piece about, well, it was about what the Kings could do to turn their slump around at the time. He wrote it on the 11th. And one of the things that he started with was give to Foley more ice time. And people have talked about that pretty much all season. Like he's still playing fourth line minutes or just above fourth line minutes. And he is great. In the piece um, was written... So far this year, Tyler Toffoli has outscored Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Patrick Kane, and Steven Stamkos at 5 on 5 points per 60. Then he goes on and has these great games, uh, including the hat-trick night, and um, uh, I think it was after that game, Dominic Gallimini, who is Mimico Hero on Twitter, has been posting just a bunch of different types of graphs about the production of different players. And so recently, he's been showing um, most comparable players the top five most and the least comparable, uh, least five comparable players to just different guys. And so somebody asked him about Sidney Crosby and they're like, and this is just for the season, not career wise. But um, of course, not very many people compare to Sidney Crosby. He's the best player in the game and nobody even comes close the same way that other guys do. But the five closest guys um, that he could find based on all the data, uh, score-adjusted Corsi, points per 60, and whatnot. Most comparable players to Sidney Crosby this season. Number one is Ryan Getzloff. Number two is Jonathan Taves. Number three is Nikita Kucherov from um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Third is Evgeny Malkin. And or fourth is Evgeny Malkin. And fifth is Tyler Toffoli, which is crazy. <laughs> in his like first full season in the NHL, it's Tyler Toffoli who is most like Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's great that, like, he is um, outscoring everyone in five-on-five when four of his goals were, like, shorthanded. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, like, we mentioned in um, one of the podcasts a couple weeks ago, like, it also isn't necessarily talked about how often, um, at the time, he had a bunch of even-strength assists. Like, not only is he a good goal scorer in a, a variety of situations, but he sets guys up at even strength. And so that's where that comes from. Like he is, I think, probably still the leader, unless Kopitar is passing by now. But for a while, he was the leader um, in five on five, like primary assists. So he not only can finish, but he drives, he knows how to drive play too. And it's awesome. And he should play more minutes because he still plays less time five on five than someone like Jared Stoll or Trevor Lewis, even though we love to root for Trevor Lewis. Tyler Toffoli should be playing more minutes than him. He just should. <laughs> yeah, we just like Trevor Lewis in general. We don't necessarily think that he's the best player in the <laughs> right, world. Yeah. Top line Trevor Lewis is a treat, not the way you go all the time. Sorry, I was looking at the points leader, Carter, 42, with 15 goals and 47 assists, but it should be 27 assists. <laughs> Sorry. 
Did I say 47? I had to like, I had to like double check it. I was like, wait. <laughs> did I say 47? I probably did because I was probably just reading it. So if I did whatever, that was a typo by me in our notes. 27 assists for Joe Carter. Um, that would be kind of bad math if he had 15 goals and 47 assists. <laughs> I was like, I know I've missed a, bi- a, a bunch of hockey this uh, like the past little while just because of like work, but I didn't realize I had missed that much or that Jeff Carter was that good. <laughs> yeah, he's been playing on the line with everybody, even um, Andre Andioff now has a bunch of goals and they're all assisted by Jeff Carter. Oh, obviously. <laughs> oh, another piece that was written from Jules from the Crown about Foley was a piece that I actually um, helped sort of get started because I was talking to Nick who wrote, ended up writing this piece about where Toffoli fits in in comparison to the type of high scoring, other high scoring forwards the Kings have actually drafted. Because we all know they are a defensive team and that's their identity. It's been sort of the identity of the Kings for a while. And historically, maybe, you know, not um, since the 80s into the early 90s when some of those players are still around really has have the kings bothered to try to dra- draft high scoring guys or, or kept guys with high scoring potential so here is one paragraph from that it reads in 120 regular season games since joining the team to fully has 69 points that is good for 0.58 points per game rate since 1986 the only kings draftees that have performed better offensively while with the team are Andrzej Kopitar, Mike Camilleri, Alex Froloff, and Vitaly Yakmanev. Moreover, the Kings haven't drafted scoring forwards that have stuck around. The quartet drafted from 80 to 86 racked up 2,476 games as Kings, while the latter foursome has tallied just 1,623, and only Andrzej Kopitar can still add to that total. So it was pretty uncharacteristic of the Kings to draft someone like Toffoli. And I mean, it kind of, I guess, works both ways. Like the fact that he had slid in the draft because of conditioning was maybe part of why they were able to take a chance on him. But at the same time, the fact that the reason that he slid had to do with people talking about his skating strength and his conditioning, you would think that maybe that could have been something that deterred the Kings because they like big guys who are able to check and whatnot. And you think, oh, if he's not conditioning, well, he can't do that. But to Toffoli's credit, he has stepped up to that challenge. Um, He is trying to be more defensively responsible and he can still score like crazy. So he's already kind of cementing his place in um, King's legend, you know, assuming he stays healthy throughout his career and of course sticks around for many more years, but it looks positive right now. Well, we know that, I mean, every team would love it, but like the Kings do too, people that are hardworking and work to, uh, on like whatever part of their game is lacking, at least for the team that they're currently mm-hmm. on. So I think that, I mean, he has such great worth work ethic. Um, we've talked in the past about like the only reason he learned how to do a slap shot was because someone else did it first and he wanted right. to know how to do it. Um, and he wanted to always be better in improving his game. So the fact that he put so much time and effort and make sure he's on the level of everyone else um, definitely pays to his credit and why he's still, you know, a valued member of the team and will be really upset if he ever, like everyone keeps talking about like trading him and I'm like, just shut <laughs> yeah. your mouth. You stop talking like that. At least the good thing about those is, reporters especially John Hover from Mayor's Manor has been pretty um 
vehement about being like, no, the Kings are not trading Tyler Toffoli or Tanner Pearson. Just stop. It's amazing to me that teams keep asking, especially now, like they need him to keep scoring. (laughs) They need him to do it. So they're not going to get rid of that, especially if they want to make a serious Stanley Cup run when someone like Toffoli and Pearson, like those guys were so integral to this last Cup run. But I'm glad that he is, obviously we just said we wish he'd play more minutes, but obviously you got to ease him into that. Um, but I'm glad that he's performing so yeah. well for the team to see what he's kind of like really mm-hmm. made of. Yeah. And I'm excited for whenever he does start to get more minutes and whatnot. And he does see some time like on the power play and stuff. But as that starts to increase in regularity and ice time, I hope that he continues the points pace that, he, that he's on. He still has a lot of upside. And I don't know, he just ex- is exciting to watch. And this has been... Um, a really good week for him for the most part. So good stuff for me. Like, I'm just so stoked to be like a fan who gets to see it happen. Yeah, seriously. So much. I saw someone like kind of jokingly be like, okay, we need to have a talk about Tyler Tyler Toffoli. He hasn't scored a goal since his hat trick. (laughs) That's really just unacceptable. (laughs) Although to be fair, in the um, in the game against Washington, he it was his shot that went to the net. And then Dwight King ended up basically just picking up the garbage and stuffing it in. So that was that was pretty much Tyler Tavoli's goal. (laughs) Um, So he's trying his best. He's right there. He almost had it. And his best is Rad yeah. as hell. His best is giving people like Dwight King goals. Like he's doing so well that he can magnanimously let Dwight King also benefit from his shine. He's a true team player. Yeah. Speaking of which, Dwight King on his own like mini streak, like we mentioned the 70s line part, to, and that's because it's now King, Carter, and Toffoli. Dwight King, three goals in his last three games, I believe, which, or goals in his last three games. Um, I don't know if it's three of them. I should probably look that up. But the point is, best streak for him the three goals in a row uh, or the three games in a row and uh I feel like even when he was asked about it after the Washington game he was just like yeah we already know that those two guys are really great so I'm basically just happy that I get to play with them you're you're in the presence of greatness and all he has to do really is kind of stand in front of the net and put a stick (laughs) down and to his credit he is very good at doing that so um he is a great like accompaniment for accompaniment for them so, uh, yeah, I'm really happy about how well he's doing. But let's be honest. Let's talk about Trevor Lewis for a second. And yes. how he has now surpassed his prior goal record in a season. Woo! He is now at seven. <laughs> and I know yeah. that because I saw one live and in person against Capitals. And it was awesome. Yeah. Because not only was it a goal, it was it was a pretty damn nice one, too. Right. It was a cute goal. A cute Trevor Lewis goal. I mean, because even some of his other goals, like when he went, when it took him forever to score, the first goal that he scored, people didn't know for a second if it was him that he scored, <laughs> that had scored that goal in St. Louis, and it was on the road and stuff, but still. So sometimes Trevor Lewis goals end up being kind of, you know, dirty goals, but that was real pretty. Um, The entire game, there were times when I just kind of hated the fact that he was on the first line because Kopitar and Gabrick would set something up um, pretty nicely and then they would pass to someone and I was like, oh God, it's fucking Trevor Lewis. And <laughs> he like would bobble it or just like yeah. miss the pass completely. And I was like, oh, this is the literal worst. <laughs> um, so when that happened, I was actually pretty, I was pretty pleased. I screamed louder than I probably should have for it being a Trevor Lewis goal. 
and someone had legitimately asked me, oh, is he one of the better players? And I'm like, oh, this is a personal thing. <laughs> you should have just said, yes, he is. <laughs> I was like, he's, he's fine. This is just a personal <laughs> screaming choice. I'm just in his corner. It's okay. That's amazing. And yeah, you're so right about him being on the first line. And that's like the thing. It's like Trevor Lewis, pretty defensively responsible when he has to be and stuff. And that was part of what the appeal was for him when the Kings, when they drafted him those years ago. But I can't remember if it was in the Calgary game or the Washington game. It was early on. And I think it was Kopitar had done some like great work on the boards to sort of keep up with this puck. And then he passed it to the person who was in front of the net because he had an opportunity and it was Trevor Lewis of course and Trevor Lewis like it was it was like right in front of him not quite in his skates but right there for like three seconds before he even thought to look down I just watched that and I was like if you would just you could literally just like open your legs a little and tap it back and it would have been a goal it was a weird moment but um of course this would happen with someone like Trevor Lewis (laughs) of course he would miss this opportunity because he doesn't think to look down like I don't know maybe some somebody else would. It just seems like a, <laughs> when he needs to finish a lot of times, it's sort of a comedy of errors, which, which is part of what made that goal, that seventh goal that he got um, so excited because it was perfect. Like he, A, kept up with Marion Gabrick, who is fast as heck, got the pass and then had to do some like forehand backhand stuff to, and then didn't miss a wide open net. Yeah, it just wins all around for Trevor Lewis. Oh, how awful would it have been if he had done that cute little move and then just completely missed the net? Oh, I would have died. Uh, but, like, similarly to him, like, not always being able to handle the puck that is given to him, there were a couple of times yesterday. Once again, we love the hardworking Kyle Clifford. Oh, But yeah. there are multiple times where he just could not get a handle on what was on playing the hockey game. Oh, and I, every time I feel split about it because the rational part of me is like, don't expect anything. (laughs) Just don't expect anything. If something good happens, it's a surprise. But because it is like when it's Kyle Clifford or when it's Trevor Lewis, because it's them and I know finishing seems to be so difficult for them. I'm like, maybe this time, this will be the one. (laughs) Every time I cross my fingers and then every time I'm just like, of course, because it was so-and-so. Like, insert insert bottom six player here. I basically hope that they'll each get a turn to do like um, Dwight King did last season and just go on that absurd tear for no reason where it's like scoring a bunch of goals and it doesn't make any sense. And everybody's like, this is not going to last, but it is at least like nice for that time. Well, Dwight King seems to be wanting to do that again. <laughs> yeah, true. So, I mean, he may just continue on that road. <laughs> and good because i hope it helps the kings win some more games and get back into the playoffs everybody please choose now to have an unreasonable streak it's we deserve it yeah we've had a long january mm-hmm. well december january early february yeah, it's been rough so it's, it's been a long winter i say i say jokingly from california where it was like 80 degrees yeah today. and like 90 degrees a couple of times throughout the week this week has been very hot so actually it's been a great week in all ways <laughs> watching the kings the weather has been beautiful not to brag or nothing but i'm just saying <laughs> oh just random side note i thought it was funny um in with the post game the other night that alex curry mentioned because of course now fox sports 
they all say that 70s line, that 70s line part two or whatever. Um, and so in the post-game interview with Jonathan Quick, Alex, Alex Curry is like asking about the game and then she goes, yeah, and that 70s line did really well. So what did you think about it? And like Quick all of a sudden is like, who? And she <laughs> then she has to explain, you know, the 70s, you know, King, Carter, Toffoli. And he's like, oh, and then just continues. But I find the prospect that there are still some of them who have not even heard that term kind of funny. There are definitely people who, like, aren't really on social media or who just, like, aren't really, like, into that thing that I could totally see just, like, not knowing any sort of the, like, the the hockey fandom around their team about, you know, little things that are jokes to all of us. Right. Um, I could totally see them not knowing at all. I could see, like... Matt Green being like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Who is that? Well, see, but now I'm thinking about um, the epic series where everyone's reading, like, paper newspapers, but it's been printed in paper newspapers. So, like, Robin Regeer totally knows about that 70s line. Right. True. Yeah, yeah. Because he read it in the paper. Because <laughs> Robin Regeer does totally still read the paper, as we have seen on video. <laughs> I think, actually, that was one of the random things from Epic's that struck me was like every time it would show like a Kings player or somebody reading an actual newspaper. <laughs> Don't you all have electronic devices? What's going on? Well, we made fun of it last time when Jarrett stole the, those, uh, the like NHLPA videos and they were all on the train also to a Caps game, I believe. So yeah, very cap- Caps related uh, this, this podcast. But Alec Martinez was watching something on his iPad and doing that. And we all kind of laughed at Robin Gear reading an actual book, but everyone f- reads the paper. I mean, I love that Justin Williams does crosswords because I love crossword puzzles. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like Justin Williams seems to be so far, I mean, and I say so far, it's been a number of years that he's been on the team, but every time something else about him, he manages to make it seem like the coolest thing or like the sweetest thing in a way, both like cool and sweet at the same time. It's like, oh yeah, like... He, of course, he still does crosswords, and it would be nerdy on some people, but you just make it seem like the thing to do. Sales of, like, crossword puzzles go up because everyone wants to be as cool as Justin Williams. <laughs> right, yeah. And they want to, you know, get in his good graces, talk about that kind of thing with him. What other cool games do you play? Um, as long as he hasn't been on one of those uh, crossword cruises. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, then I think we're okay. <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. Um, I do, okay, there are a couple, like, trade rumor things but actually before i mention those i want to talk about Braden mcnab and you mentioned like robin regeer daryl sutter the kings had their practice canceled but daryl sutter still talked to reporters and during that what he said he said some things about Braden mcnab that led into some things about robin regeer that ended up being kind of sadly funny but um i wanted to read it to you it's kind of long so bear with me but here we go he's talking about says it's from Ellie King's Insider. It says, on any encouragement over Braid McNabb's recent performances, Sutter says, hey, if we're going to make the playoffs, he's going to have to because there's nobody else, quite honest. <laughs> I know we keep going back to guys like that, but you know what? They've been given an opportunity that they wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. So either they do or they don't. I'm not basing it on one or two games because we need him to be consistent. He can't be after the next one. Take him out of the lineup. He's got to be a physical player, and he's got to be a mistake-free player. I mean, he's got to play a little bit more over the last two games because Robin's still at 60%. Those guys like Braden and those kids should just go spend three days with Robin, and they'd be a better player right away. Robin's playing something 20 minutes right now. Um, And then he talks about the illness. But first, before I read the rest of this, I do want to say 
of all the things to say about Braid McNabb to basically acknowledge, like, look, he's gotten to play because we just haven't had enough guys. <laughs> um, because you can imagine probably if the Kings had the D lineup that they thought they were going to have all season, which doesn't include Jamie McBain stuff, Braid McNabb probably would have been scratched as many times as like Jake Muzzin was for a while, which is kind of interesting to think about. For Daryl Sutter to basically say, look, he's just... He's got to do it because that's who we got. He is a healthy body on skate. Yeah. And therefore, we need him. <laughs> and therefore, he will be playing. Nothing about how well he's doing. Nothing about, you know, his improvement. Just he is alive <laughs> right. and on skate. So, yeah, if we're going to make the playoffs, he has to get it together and do it. That's our option. Unlike unlike Robin Regeer, who is, I guess, being held together by Ivy Drips. <laughs> yeah. Again. As we will now... <laughs> Because this is like what happened last year with him, um, or not last year, I'm sorry, the season before where we found out after they got eliminated that Robin Regeer was like falling apart and needed to have surgery and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so apparently he's, I think he has a flu or something. They haven't said, but I did see a tweet from, I forget who, about how he was vomiting before one of the games this week and then still played anyway. And he had like food food poisoning or something right. as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So then a reporter says, I got sick like that one time and I couldn't get off my couch to Daryl Sutter. And they don't say it's sick like exactly what he has. Um, but then Sutter says he's had more IV in him the last four days. I mean, between every f- period, friggin' we're having meetings and he's laying there like he's Hawkeye. I was saying, Robin, can you hear me in there? He's going, yeah. Friggin' bags coming out of him. You know what? Just gotta run its course on him, but he's doing better. He was the first one last night who got back to me because I called him the night before and said, you don't have to be here in the morning. Just come to the game. But he doesn't feel right doing that. (laughs) So I literally just had to mash my face in my sweatshirt so I didn't laugh over the fact that Daryl Sutter made a Hawkeye joke. (laughs) Daryl Sutter loves watching the Avengers. Loves that scene where Hawkeye's just laying there, not not a clue what's going on. <laughs> um, I think that's the funniest thing in the but world. But see, I wasn't sure if he was talking about Hawkeye from Marvel or if he was talking about Hawkeye from MASH, because then it's like a war reference. So I don't know. Like, Daryl Sutter, can you please confirm, are you an Avengers fan? <laughs> Somebody ask him. I am a young person who has never seen an episode of MASH. <laughs> so you can have the war MASH one, which is actually probably fairly accurate, and maybe what Daryl Sutter is referencing. I will take the Hawkeye one where he is being controlled by Loki <laughs> and think that that's what Daryl Sutter is referencing. To be honest, that's the one that I want to be true, because then it's like, of all of the superhero references to make, like even within Avengers, like the person to single out being Hawkeye, that's too funny to me. So I want that to be what he was talking about, which is why I wish he had clarified and that had been the case. <laughs> I want to know. That's like the most like tertiary character in, you know, he hasn't had his own movie. Right. So right. <laughs> it was like a very specific person. Look, it would be great if it was like Daryl Sutter is just like secretly a huge Jeremy Renner fan. That would be awesome to me. That, yeah, he just, see, he's seen everything and Renner is like, oeuvre and just like, it's like, yeah, Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. He can't wait. to make this reference. <laughs> he likes Hawkeye. He can't wait for the next um, Born Legacy movie <laughs> so that he can see more Jeremy Renner. I forgot that they were making those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daryl Sutter probably hasn't. His biggest fan. No. <laughs> uh, um, funny about Robin McGuire and hopefully he gets, you know, better. Because again, like, it's about him being sick, which shouldn't be funny, but just like 
the way Sutter talked about it, I thought was pretty funny, especially after being like, anyway, because he's sick and still not quite back up to speed. Brady McNabb, yeah, he's still around. <laughs> he's still doing stuff we need him to do. Robin Regeer, though, what a champ. This is why I have a framed, uh, signed player card of him on my wall. Yeah, so this has actually been like a big, even with the lows of this season, pretty big for you. You got to meet Robin Regeer. You got to see a pretty Trevor Lewis goal. Good stuff. What else do you want to happen? Want to happen because it's probably going to. For the Kings to win the Stanley Cup? I feel like that's the only thing they can say. <laughs> they should, actually. I want them to go on like a 16-game winning streak just because the stories would be great. And then get into the playoffs. Uh, and for Trevor Lewis to score three more goals. Yeah, a Trevor Lewis hat trick. Oh, because that's the other thing. So then, like, because he's at seven now, I wanted to see with how many games left what his pace was and so because he lost he didn't play all the games he was out for a little bit this season so um he's on pace now for 11 goals and so i hope come on trevor lewis please we want you still to hit that double digit number and i think he should uh i think he can he still has enough time so if he could you know trevor lewis hat trick push him right to 10 goals that would be great that'd be so much fun i would but i would be so upset if i wasn't personally there for trevor lewis hat trick right, like i was upset it. that we weren't there for the tyler Toffoli hat trick but i think oh, if yeah. trevor lewis ever got a hat trick i would be like beside myself yeah that would be amazing i feel like we would have to be there also i feel like they would have to like they still haven't at any point played um 22 when he scores and they should i don't know why they're not playing this taylor swift song let's get on it la king's entertainment yeah seriously Please. that is like the old everyone just like um baseball players have like walk-on songs you should play 22 after every Trevor Lewis goal. Right, yeah. Just pre-program a button on your little board somewhere. Just be ready when it happens. Just Trevor Lewis button. There you go. <laughs> go for it. I'm just imagining a big red, like, you know, <laughs> giant button that just says Trevor Lewis. <laughs> you just hit it and 22 plays. But it should it should actually be like a Trevor or a 22 parody. Oh, that would be good. Just like we were talking about the Toronto Leaves sad 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 song. Um there yeah. should be a happy 22 parody and that should play when Trevor Lewis scores a goal. I would love that. Because then because also then the people who are in the control room are organized and execute everything for the in-game entertainment, then they could actually say to each other, "This is not a drill." <laughs> Trevor Lewis goal alert. And then press the button. <laughs> How rad would that be It'd if be that awesome. was your job and you got to be that person? It'd be awesome. <laughs> Greatest day at work. And they have to lift up the little, like, plexiglass box so, like, <laughs> no one hits it accidentally because that would be awful. Um, oh, and yeah. then push the button. Yeah. So if I worked there and was in charge, I would make make that a thing. All right. So some a little bit of uh, rumors back are happening now. There hasn't been a whole lot of rumor activity with the Kings. It's just, like, the same sort of recurring things throughout the season mostly about Mike Richards and who might be looking at him now there has been another mention of the Kings being interested in Andre Sakara, who plays for the Carolina Hurricanes Bob McKenzie mentioned that some scouts were looking at the Kingston Frontenacs versus the Ottawa 67s and looking at the prospects that the Kings have there because I think they had four prospects playing that game so we might see some movement there which I would love for the Kings to have Scara, so I don't want them to give up any of the prospects I like. Like, I feel like because someone like Spencer Watson was drafted so low, that might be a guy who gets dealt. <laughs> but I want them to keep him and develop him. He could be really good. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody talking about how 
or like the uh, comparables. I think it was that's offside on Twitter who was talking about people who had the same like scoring rate or were within 10% of the same rate of scoring as Spencer Watson is um, in the year that they got drafted, but then went back to junior or whatever. NHLers within 10% of Watson's draft year scoring um, includes guys like uh, Redden Barbata, Tyler Ennis, Shifley, Dubinsky, Bergeron, Stoll, Bodker, Eberly, Jeff Carter, Jordan Stahl, uh, Justin Williams, MacArthur, Lyndon Vay. So there's some like pretty good company yeah. mixed in there. Not a, so bad, he has... bad group to be associated with. Right, yeah. And I mean, there are also some other names of guys who didn't really turn out to do the same amount of things. But I think they're, it's like a healthy mix. Like he has... He, he he still has a lot of potential. I think um, Jerome McGinley is also part of that. So a lot of a lot of potential for him. So I don't want to see someone like him get moved. But apparently they're looking at some of those people who potentially could be moved in order to make a deal happen between the Kings and the Hurricanes. Um, another thing is the Leafs, including I think their um, director of player personnel was at the game in Manchester and people were like, you know, the thing is like, oh, they're looking at Mike Richards, but Mayor's Manor wrote about how actually the player that they are interested in is Jordan Wheel. And I mean, it's not that they wouldn't take Mike Richards because the goal I think for the Kings is to find a team that will take the contract off of their hands. Not necessarily because Mike Richards is their first priority, but I think taking that because he's still a serviceable player who just has a bad contract, but then figuring out if there are any viable prospects that they can take from the Kings as well. And so a player that the Leafs are interested in is Jordan Wheel. And they already, um, of course, got Brandon Cozen last year, which is, I mean, so it's interesting, you know, like two guys who are on the smaller side who the Kings continue to not actually call up might get a chance. Now Jordan Wheel might be the second guy like that to get a chance with a team like the Leafs, which would make me sad because I want to see him play for the Kings, but at least he'd get to play in the NHL. I don't know. I was going to say I would be excited to see him in Ontario next season. Right. Um, if he doesn't get called up, so I refuse. And I, I get sad when people that I like go to the Leafs because – then they're sad too. <laughs> right? And I don't want that. <laughs> Nobody's happy. Yeah, like um, Ole Jokinen, who was upset today. Um, or so was said. Yeah, nobody's stoked to go to the Leafs right now, unfortunately. No, it's not It's not a good time to be there. Oh, man. So, so I don't know. We'll see if anything. I mean, the, the Leafs and the Kings apparently have been talking. Nothing on the front burner, but just sort of scoping things out for a while in an ongoing way all season, it seems like. So maybe eventually Jordan Wheel could go to that team. That at least seems to be who they are most interested in right now among the Kings prospects, which I, which I thought was kind of interesting if Jordan Wheel is not going to get a chance to play with the Kings. Some other things that have happened, this is not trade rumor stuff, but just some other like Western conference stuff like relevant to other teams that are in the playoff hunt. This week, uh, Dallas played the Florida Panthers and I watched half of that game and it was actually not super exciting. I missed the third period of it. Stuff went down. They lost three players, including Tyler Sagan, who is now out for between three to six weeks with a knee injury because he was clipped by Dmitry Kulikov. Um, Patrick Eves got hit in the head with a puck. And yeah, again, again, and now has another concussion. Because this has happened to him like in the exact same spot before. So he just does not have good luck with, I mean, hockey maybe isn't the sport to play if you don't have good luck about 
uh, projectiles flying right, towards yeah. your head, but that did not yeah. look too good. So it was pretty scary, I guess, because at first it was like, oh, they just took him to the hospital and there weren't a lot of details. And then after the game, the coach, Lindy Ruff, said, you know, because he had had some issues with this before, so they were being cautious. And he does seem um, no, I think, skeletal damage, they said, but he does have a concussion, so he'll be out for a while. I don't know exactly what happened to Alex Hemsky. Some kind of lower body injury, I think. Um, but he should be back sooner than the other two. So now it's like this this team, like Dallas had been sort of getting their groove back and winning more games, and it seemed like they were really going to make a push. Now they might actually be in a little trouble for, you know, at a very crucial time in the season because they've lost their highest scoring player and a couple other guys who are really important to the team. Which is unfortunate because they had just also finally traded their terrible backup goaltender, Anders Lindback, for Jonas Enroth from Buffalo, who has been playing pretty well. And then now it's like this team that should have been like, they solved it. They nailed their problems. Has new ones due to injury. Injury has been uh, really like hindering a lot of teams. I, I I think we say we said this last year too, so it must be or last season, so it must be just like a general thing. But I always forget about it. Is that there are so many injuries? Yeah, <laughs> or like so many significant long term injuries. Um, more so now with the Kings, so it's like definitely a lot more mm-hmm. noticeable. But um, it seemed like everyone was getting like dramatically injured um, every other day last season. I guess I always just forget. Like, I know it's a dangerous sport and all, but I forget how many times people will get, like, boarded or hit with a puck or, you know, whatever, like, needing surgery and being out for, like, right. six weeks or something ridiculous like that. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer that it's happening to Dallas mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah, like, in the span of 20 minutes, I think, they lost three different <laughs> guys, which is horribly unfortunate and of course scary to see if you're watching the game and also like I think it was mentioned on the broadcast when I went back to sort of watch the compilation of shenanigans that because it happened in Dallas so those fans have had to see a few different like scary things happen the last few years because there was like last year with a player who collapsed on the bench um they don't seem to get a break there lately so this is unfortunate this happened there and people had to watch it yeah, that's definitely a bummer. Um, and of course, Jonas Enroth was like, finally, I'm out of Buffalo. And then now, like, the Stars have, I think, lost their last two games or something. There might have been one that they won, but it's it's been rough. Yeah. Um, we mentioned uh, Ole Jokinen being traded to the Maple Leafs, and that was part of a trade that the Nashville Predators made to acquire Cody Franzen and Mike Santorelli, who are two pending UFAs. Um, and they sent Jokinen, a prospect, and a pick to Toronto, and the report, there were no specifics, I don't think, but was that Oliokinen not happy. His um, wife, I believe, is on Twitter, and she was actually just being kind of funny about it all, uh, but that has to suck for him. Like, the Predators are trying to be cup contenders, and it's like, well, see ya, you don't get to be a part of this, good luck. Yeah, like, the, the Predators are doing really well, which is kind of why I was surprised. Like, obviously, you need to stay competitive, stay in the race, mm-hmm. but I was kind of surprised to see them do like a a trade like this just because there's no particular i mean not that they're you shouldn't be worried but there's no particular worry for them right now yeah um so the fact that they made a trade like this um in the middle of the season was kind of interesting to me but yeah it sucks for yokanin who has done fine with the with predators and is now just going to lose a bunch of games in toronto (laughs) right yeah they're 
I, I guess they finally are now going to not, I don't think it's a complete rebuild necessarily, or at least they don't fully know yet, but they're, um, they're going to do some kind of retooling and they could, it could potentially become a rebuild because it was basically like, there was a report that I read, I think on the score talking about how Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf might not be part of the Leafs' future plans to sort of remake this team, which would then make it seem like a pretty significant rebuild if you get rid of the two guys who have been billed as your two top players. And I believe Phil Kessel is one of their, you know, their best player. And Dion Phaneuf is just their best. Well, not even, I don't even know if he's their best investment, <laughs> but he's the one making the most money and he's the captain. Yeah. <laughs> so that seems pretty significant. And, and then this move today is like, Yes, let's get rid of these two guys who we're not going to sign for more money and go from there. But, like, speaking of significant trades, though, finally the Winnipeg-Evander Kane thing has been dealt with. Yeah, that's probably... Uh, a, lot, a lot sooner than I thought it would be, to be yeah, perfectly me too. honest. They handled that pretty quickly, and, I mean, I guess it was because... You know, Buffalo was like, yeah, we'll take them, I get, I assume. We'll give you everything you want. And they traded, it was a seven-player deal, which included, like, some prospects and stuff, but the, um, and a pick, I think, but the player-for-player player part of it was Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian, who, who was probably surprised. Like, was Zach Bogosian like, what the heck? I wasn't even part yeah. of this. What's going on? Why am I lumped up in here? I was like putting my head down, not paying attention to what was going yeah. on, and now I'm getting traded to Buffalo. What did I do? <laughs> um, so Zach Magosian also to Buffalo for Tyler Myers and Drew Stafford, and I didn't watch whatever game it was that they played right after that trade happened. But apparently, I heard and read that Tyler Myers was a pretty big part of that. So seemed to be a nice start, I guess, his arrival in Winnipeg. Um, and that's unfortunate for, I mean, Evander Kane knew he was going to be gone, but like a fortunate for Zach Bogosian because the Jets are still in the playoffs too. And it's like, well, have fun in Buffalo. Some sad, sad players getting dealt <laughs> yeah. to really crappy teams. That's the, that's uh, now I'm just waiting for someone to move from a winning team to the Oilers and <laughs> it'll all be complete. Oh no. Yeah, that's true. Um, today, by the way, today I saw someone. I think I, no, it was Hope Smoke mentioned trading. It was uh, the weirdest tweet because it was like Hall for Jones. Um, you at least have to ask the question. And I was, I think the tweet he was replying to was something about goaltending. So I assumed he was talking about Martin Jones. And I was like, hey, what a weird trade. <laughs> Those two contracts don't match up at all. Even though I know they serve totally different functions as players. B, stop trying to move Kings players. Stop doing it. Yeah, I'm just like, don't, we don't exist. Remember when we didn't exist? This is us not existing again. Like when the Kings yeah. were in their slump and everyone was writing articles about that. I'm just like, don't, don't look this way. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need you to suddenly care about what's happening with the Kings and write about them and about what's going on. Just, just go away. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Don't even look over here. You don't really know all the details. You're just an interloper. <laughs> Please stop. I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> and I kind of feel, I feel like defensive about, about like about that, uh, about like all of the California teams, actually. I, I really do. I'm like, okay, you guys, you just don't get it. Like anytime they try to talk about California rivalries or like what's going on, I'm like, oh, just don't look our way. Um, well, I felt a little bit like that watching the game between the Blackhawks and the Penguins Sunday morning, because there was a point where Sidney Crosby had gotten called for tripping and then he went to the box and then the coaches huddled the coaches the referees huddled up and then reversed the call 
And people were like, I've never seen this happen on TV. They were like, this is new to me. I've never seen this happen or whatever. And I'm like, hello. Clearly nobody was watching when the Kings played the Penguins at the beginning of the season. And Jared Stoll got called for a penalty, went to the box, talked himself out of the penalty, and then got to go back to the bench. That's a thing that happened. Nobody saw it. Three people saw it. I guess, who are not three non-Kings fans saw it, I should yeah. say, because um, it was brand new to everybody. So sometimes it is like, you don't even pay attention to California to stop talking about yeah. them. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about. But man, smooth criminal, <laughs> Jarrett Stoll there, talking his way out of, uh, yeah. like talking his way out of detention. Yeah, it was hilarious when it happened, even though, of course, I think that was the game the Kings got shut out in. So the game itself ended up being whatever, but that moment was really entertaining. Oh, Fantastic. Um, actually, I talking about Winnipeg, I realize I have a question for you, just for your opinion. So Winnipeg, with like all that drama and stuff that everybody was talking about, it made me wonder about people talking about like the role of a captain and stuff. And I was thinking too, because, you know, we talked a little about Toronto and like Dion Phaneuf is a captain there, but it seems like they I don't, have been kind of messy. And there's always sometimes like rumors about there not being a whole lot of camaraderie in that locker room. So, but with the jets thing and like this inner team like fighting kind of going on with you know the picking on each other and whatnot do you think any of that falls on the shoulders of someone like andrew ladd like how i guess how culpable is a captain really if there's some drama in the locker room um i definitely think like that should be his well well you know some people will say that like there are certain captains that on things like that are a little bit more silent and there are other players that will be a little bit more vocal about you know like hey knock it off Mm -hmm. stuff like that i can imagine that for the king's team dustin brown would absolutely step in especially after everything that happened with like sean avery yeah um definitely being more sensitive to that um he's more of like a a kind of quiet guy, but I still think he would speak out against that. In terms of, you know, I don't know enough about the the Jets dynamic to know if, like, I think it depends either way, like, if it should be on Andrew Ladd. Um, I definitely think I would assume that he's said something to them, to someone. Right. Like, I would assume that he would know what's going on in the locker room to kind of, like, pull some people aside, being like, hey, like, cool it, or hey you know, you need to get it together or whatever it is. But um, I don't think it should solely land on the the shoulders of the captain. Maybe the captain could be like the first one to say something. But overall, it's like a whole, it's a team thing. So if it's affecting the team, anyone in the team should go ahead and say something if it if they think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it even until I saw a couple of people mention it on social media, basically being like, regardless of some of the details that we may never find out, it's probably pretty clear that Andrew Ladd is not all as cracked up to be his captain there. And so then it just kind of made me wonder, well, what is the captain responsible for? You know, how much is he responsible for in those situations? And I do think, like you mentioned Dustin Brown, I do think actually that, like we've seen like with epics and stuff, that he isn't necessarily the guy that speaks up pre-game trying to get everybody pumped or not, or something like that. That seems to be like Matt Green's role as um, an alternate captain. And Jared Stoll is involved in some of that, which, which we've heard about before. But at the same time, I do also totally feel like from things that I've read in the past that the reason the Kings locker room became a much closer knit place is because of the influence of guys like Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar and that's both 
recent things and just sort of knowing how involved they like to be with the community and stuff. But also I remember articles talking about how when those when they were put in those leadership roles officially, it was all about how much they seemed to care about their other teammates and wanted to touch base with them and make sure that everybody was just fine, at least to the best of their ability that they could do that. So clearly I think the captaincy and the other guys who share that responsibility um, have some kind of influence, but then it just made me wonder like, yeah, who intervenes? Like, are they supposed to? And maybe he didn't, it didn't work. And I don't know. I was just just curious about it, I guess. Um, And like, speaking of the whole, like it being like a shared leadership role, you know, obviously we know the Kings are very close, but some players are going to be closer to other people. So, you know, whether or not it's, like, would Dustin Brown talk to, like, one of the younger guys being like, hey, you know, this isn't working out? Or would he maybe, you know, talk to a different player to be like, hey, you know, I've noticed that, like, this person, like, this has been going down. Like, would you talk to them? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it would be, like, a shared role overall. And, like, other people should see that it's fine to step in as well. But I think that maybe that didn't happen. Like, that only happens if you're already a close-knit team. Right, yeah, that's true. You know, it? like, if, if there are any problems, you kind of nip it in the butt immediately. Um, you're not afraid to speak out about it just because, you know, like, you know, they know it all comes from a place of caring. Um, whereas if you have a locker room that maybe isn't as close or doesn't care as much about each other, um, it might be more difficult. Like, people are will stay quiet a little bit longer. And I mean, even in the Kings case, like, we... I mean, I feel like obviously the the big missing piece that I'm talking about, like things are going in the locker room, is like everything happening with Slav- happening with Slava Voinov right now. There is we'll never know exactly the details of whether or not anybody knew anything beforehand or whatever. But clearly, like you can't stop everything, um, and that's fine. But I felt like seeing those comments on social media and stuff did make me at least wonder <laughs> what other, what people expect, and then also what kind of influence. Not that you could ever sort of average it out, I guess. But in general, some ideas of how much influence captains are expected to have, how much they do have, and how much they personally feel responsible for, and how much others seem to, you know, put on their shoulders. I don't know. I do think in general, it seems to be especially important, like what you said with um, younger players and sort of guiding them and whatnot, and I guess sort of setting the tone for the dynamics that these guys sort of carry with them in locker rooms, whether they stay in that one or get traded or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Just kind of interesting. An aspect of it I hadn't really thought about, I guess. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that either at all, whether or not, like, there should have been, like, one guy uh, to kind of sort everything out. But, like, is it his job to be, like, mediator? Right, yeah. Like, is that part of the job description? I don't know. I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but uh, to, like he can only do so much. He can only say so much. He might have been, you know, brushed off or Mm -hmm. people might not heed his words or what have you. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to... I find locker room dynamics so fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, we have, I think, pretty much at an hour of this, so I guess we should wrap it up. I don't have anything else for the Kings. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Kings or other teams, before we finish? Nothing in particular. Just hoping that they continue to win games and make it into the playoffs. Me too. They've got a couple of upcoming games catching teams on back-to-backs. I think think the game against Tampa is a back-to-back. 
Monday? I don't know. I think there's one this week, and I know, like, um, in a couple weeks when the Penguins come into town, they're on the back-to-back, and yeah. So they got a little little bit of a favorable schedule with some of the teams coming up, and hopefully they can extend the win streak and really take advantage of that and, like you said, get back into the playoffs. Um, and we can continue to be happy, because I feel like we have all quite enjoyed this week of the Kings winning. Is this Wednesday the first time the Kings have played the Avalanche? Yes. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, that they haven't played them, but yeah. That's strange. And then it's the Stadium Series, which I kind of forgot about, but I am very excited about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, hopefully... You know what I realized, A, that this week, this means that Toffoli's hat trick is going to be on Epics. Yeah. Um, And in general, Epics will be full of Kings winning. And um, so the stadium series, I realized that I'm not really sure what I expect necessarily from that game because of the way that last year's game went. I feel like Kings fans, like there's probably not a whole lot of investment in it, but they also do need to win that game. They need those points. Yeah. Now now that game kind of matters a lot. Right. (laughs) It could have just been a frivolous game, but... Win it, actually. <laughs> Please. They're four points back of the Sharks. They can use everything they, they can get. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I didn't... So I was in Utah last year for the stadium series and didn't really catch up on it because the Kings didn't score any goals. And so I didn't really feel the need to like go back and watch anything. So I'm like mm-hmm. really going in blind as to what to expect um, for the stadium <laughs> series here. I had a lot of fun. Do they have a performer? I'm, like, upset if I don't get to see a mini concert in this. I still don't know. I'm sure they're going to have some kind of performer. They need something to do during intermissions. But I don't know who it is if they do have performers. Just call Fallout Boy. I'm sure they beat you to it. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening, as usual, guys. Um, oh, a fun thing for us. We've passed 1,000 followers on Twitter. So thanks for following us on Twitter. I'm glad you're entertained. <laughs> yeah, thank you, everyone. We're very excited about that. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter and you want to, we are at ThanksBud, T-H-X-B-U-D, or individually, I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Van. Our email is chirp at thanksbud.com. And Ticket Monster, if you want to buy tickets to Kings games, whether they are at home or away, go to our schedule page on our site, thanksbud.com, and uh, click on the links, get tickets. It's easy, it's done, they're cheap, and I think that's all. So uh, be good to each other, take care of yourselves, enjoy your Monday off if you have it, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, friends. Bye, guys.